your and also your head looks like a ball, basically. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Cafe Ribbit. In this episode, I discovered a new use for pantyhose, and that is to make a pop filter that goes in front of my microphone. So in previous episodes, when I said peas, 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 or toodle, toodaloo, maybe it was harsh on your ears, but now that I have this little pantyhose disc in front of my mouth, it's uh, easier to listen to me. So in this episode, I asked my friends over the phone to describe a strong memory of looking at themselves in a mirror. I interviewed my friends over the phone instead of interviewing strangers in Philadelphia because uh, we're in the surge of Omicron right now, and it did not feel safe. Without further ado... So can you describe a memory of you looking at yourself in the mirror? Well, the one that comes to my mind happened in college. And I lived in a dormitory freshman year where back then it was a communal bathroom. Um, the dorm rooms didn't have private baths. So you had to go down the hall uh-huh. with a towel wrapped around your waist to have a shower and to shave. And it was a row of sinks and a row of shower heads and very open. In fact, back then, this would have been in the late 70s, um, dorm vandalism was a real problem. And uh, basically, the the college I went to gave up on trying to hang doors on the toilet stalls (laughs) because they kept getting ripped down. Uh So when you use the toilets, you were basically in an open space. Pooping in the open. Pooping in the open. Um, You did have walls on the side, but there was no door, basically. And I'll never forget arriving and looking at it thinking, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) And then after about a week, you just get used to Uh it. Uh, It was no issue at all. Um, But I do have a very distinct and clear memory of um, standing at the sinks, which were probably, there were probably six in a row next to each other. And back then as an 18 year old, um, you know, still experiencing, um, blemishes on my face in terms of acne and things. And most of the kids did. Mm -hmm. And so I was there shaving, which I didn't need to do every day, um, at that age, but, um, I was approaching that point. Mm -hmm. And so part of the routine every day was shower and shave. And so I was there shaving in the morning, and the guy next to me, um, who had pretty severe acne, we were standing there shaving, and then out of the blue, I was standing there looking at myself with my face full of lather, shaving lather, and um, he was doing the same, and he was shaving. He said, oh, the great thing about shaving is it really helps to clear up your acne. (laughs) And I looked over, and of course, his shave... um, was causing him to bleed a lot because yeah. he was cutting through a lot of his whiteheads and things like oh that. My uh, God. So um, I never had it that severely, but 
when you ask the question, that's the first thing that pops uh, into my head. When you saw him outside of the bathroom, did it seem like it worked or was it just like torn up skin? Um, it was pretty raw that morning. Uh-huh. I didn't think about it after that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, can I tell you mine? Sure. Okay, so mine is a little sadder. Uh, when I was in high school with my first uh, real girlfriend, like a long-term relationship, things were starting to become less passionate and fun after about a year. And she texted me one day to ask if we could meet at my house. I was already at the house. And I said, sure. And then when she got here in her car, I invited her inside. But she said, no, let's just take a walk. And uh, on that walk, she broke up with me. And I was basically crying the entire way, not able to form any words. And it was funny because she was like, yeah, I've already done my crying like the last two weeks because she was totally dry, just like emotionless pretty much, just very matter of fact. And during that walk when I was crying, I was mostly just replaying memories in my head of when I could have been more loving. Um, And I don't regret not being loving because we were just losing interest in each other, but um yeah that's what was going through my head of like walking into a room and not hugging her like choosing that um so the mirror moment was then after she left coming inside the house and looking in the mirror with my skin my cheeks just totally dry because i had been crying so much my hair all uh in kind of a frizzy state and I took a picture of myself in that like super defeated moment just because I knew as an adult if I saw that picture I'd know exactly what it was um you still have that picture yeah I do and I come across it every once in a while because I don't take selfies in the mirror so it's like one of the few so when's the last time you had in, any contact with her? Um, sometimes we text like once every two years or so, but just very casual catching up. Has, have you been in touch with her during the pandemic or are you due now for a two-year text? Yeah, I would say I'm due, but it's funny because I have no idea if she listens to this. <laughs> so I think it would also be kind of weird if I reached out to her um, because she might think that I'm trying to uh, or that me talking about our relationship indicates that I want a stronger relationship again Um, but in reality I just talk about like this moment and another moment with her on a previous episode because it's really been my only long-term relationship. So there are really important moments in that. Yeah, I would. I think it'd be fun for you to um, text her that photograph and say, uh, 
I took this picture right after we broke up. No. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. If it really doesn't mean anything to you, it'd be very easy and fun to do. You don't have to tell her anything about the podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you have me thinking. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'll start with an overview and then I'll go into one or two specific instances. Okay. So I like it or not, I'm a huge writer. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm, I'm a great one or, or a good one, but writing is a really important part of, of who I am. And to me, that's fundamental to the way that I look in the mirror because whenever I see myself in the mirror, I'm almost maybe not every single time, but I'm often almost a little surprised of like, wait, that's what I look like. That's me to other people. Like he's he's kind of short. He at this point he's balding quite a bit. Uh, he he might have some you know five o'clock shadow. Uh, maybe he missed a spot shaving. Um, maybe he looks really good. Maybe he, he's dressed in like a, a quarter zip uh, you know sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it always feels a little bit foreign. Like huh? To me, I'm just all of these thoughts that are running through my head. I'm you know the itch on the the you know middle of my back. I'm, um, you know, the, the feeling of being hungry, right? I'm like the last book that I read. I'm sort of all these, you know, different things uh, just as like sense perception. You know, there's this fantastic word, qualia. Are you familiar? Nah. It's just, it is essentially all of the, the sensory data we get every moment. It's sort of like what it feels like to, to be, to exist, to, to sense anything. Okay. And so I feel like, you know, when you're in your own head, you're just experiencing qualia. You're, you're, uh, a qualia, a qualia koala, uh, <laughs> and it's it's really interesting to then walk outside of that and get a, a a glimpse of like oh wait, this is not how I am to other people. Other people obviously, you know, one of the most fundamental things about just uh, being alive is that other people don't have direct access to your internal states. You know. What what is so real to you is just words to other people, right? Or maybe a facial expression, or or you know a tone in your voice, and so seeing sort of the the data that other people are getting is just a a very unusual experience. Hmm. Uh, well, actually, quite a quite a usual experience. I think most of us you know look in mirrors fairly often, but it's certainly an interesting one. Um, is your qualia focused somewhere in particular in your body? Like I would say. Mine is my mouth. I feel like I. Oh, interesting. I'm an oral person. <laughs> I can definitely see see what you mean by that because I remember reflecting that sort of there's there's something so internal about your mouth in that one you you create language with it. Like sometimes I'll remember like wow my tongue has to do so much work mm-hmm. for me to to speak you know and it's moving all over around, around your mouth. You you couldn't you couldn't give the instructions for how how your tongue works. And at the same time, you sort of you you know what you're chewing on, you know, uh, if you happen to be eating, you, you know what's going on inside your mouth, but other people don't. But but to actually answer your question, I'd say when I try to be present, I often am brought back to the soles of my feet, especially if I'm walking. Ah. Uh, and then I'd say that in a lot of ways, my attention is focused into my mind, and I think my my friends will will certainly back that up. Um, <laughs> And actually, there's a fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. go a mile a minute. I I certainly certainly am am not known for for having very little to say. <laughs> or I I I was actually once uh, on on a date, and I asked my date, you know, 
what is who is the, the strangest person that you've ever met? <laughs> and she thinks a moment and says, you know, I'd rather not say. <laughs> okay, that's a totally a fine answer. So I, I sort of give, give my answer to that. And a few hours later, she said, Dan, it's you. You're the strangest person I've ever met. Um, and so, so yeah, very, very much uh, a, a mind-first uh, human being. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, that's certainly uh, not a hidden qualia. You're using your mind and uh, speech to let people know exactly what's going on in you. Well, and that, that's precisely the thing that sort of brings me to writing in a lot of ways, because I feel like if I could speak perfectly, if I could express myself, you know, uh, as well as I want to, if I could turn my, my thoughts into words really uh, consistently, then I almost wouldn't need to write. But the, mm. a lot of what, what, what you know, gives me the, the inspiration to do that is because there's something I want to express and I, I can't get it out in conversation. And so I think, mm-hmm. you know what, I'm going to take hours of my life and I'm going to thoroughly enjoy it, but it's going to be hard work. And then through that, that process, I'm going to get out what I, I really feel like I, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you have an instance of specifically looking at the mirror? Absolutely. So... It was a pretty intense you know, time in my life. Um, I was in college. It was my senior year. I think the last semester of my senior year, and uh, I, my, my mom had actually recently, recently died, and I, I had this, um, I had this odd, like, like a growth, like a sore kind of thing mm-hmm. on my, on my face, and it had grown up for a little while. Um, and originally started off, I think, as a cut while I was shaving, um, and. In, in something that I, I find actually quite metaphorical, I would sometimes try to like cover it up, you know, with, like with my hand or something mm-hmm. when I could. And of course, that exacerbated the problem. Something that, you know, uh, our mutual friend Spencer and I uh, have, have noted is that in, in a lot of cases, whatever it is you're, you're trying to hide, whatever, you know, defect you see in your personality, uh, generally what you do to cover it up is 10 times or a thousand times worse than the original problem. And so by, by trying to cover up this slight cut, I, I made it much worse. Uh, at least that's my understanding. And it became this, this you know, sore that I, it was clear I had to have some sort of dermatologist look at. And however, at this you know, point, I was deeply in, in you know, feeling grief. I, I hadn't realized that at least for me, grief would come basically as like a sickness. Like I was in bed you know, most hours of the day. I, I would still go to class simply because that gave me a reason to sort of leave the house, you know? Mm-hmm. And... I I remember being in my bathroom uh, and looking myself in the mirror and seeing sort of the sore and seeing just how I was, you know, quite out of it and telling myself, okay, Daniel, you need to set up an appointment with a dermatologist. You need to get this thing looked at. Clearly, I know this isn't the best time for you, but you have to do this. I think I said it out loud. Um, and it felt like I was almost the the sort of uh, parent in me, the sort of the, the part of you that's not fun, that's that's not there to have a good time, the part of you that's there to take care of you and to you know make sure you do what you really have to do. Um, that's almost what was what I was sort of uh, accessing, mm-hmm. and the, then I that's exactly what I did. I I set up a dermatologist. I remember the the dermatologist was exceptionally good at um, at injecting you with a needle because she was actually able to like scratch a little bit at, at your face right as right next to where she was injecting you and so you were more distracted by by that odd scratching sensation 
than uh, uh, than by the needle, uh-huh. which I'd never seen before, and and was quite effective. Um, and then almost immediately after that, the the problem disappeared completely, and I'm very thankful to her. But that was certainly a moment of okay, I I have clearly I have a relationship to myself, and and this this Daniel Oliveri kid needs some instruction. I myself I'm going to give it to him. Um, and now a slightly less intense and sort of a little bit more general experience of looking myself in the mirror also from my time in college uh, is that, you know, if you're at a party and you're drinking, well, when you have to drink, you have to go to the bathroom. And (laughs) the moment sort of alone looking yourself in the mirror in the bathroom at a party, I think is a really interesting one because you've just been in this really complex, really fun, really boisterous social setting. A lot was going on. You were feeling a lot of things. And now all of a sudden you have this moment sort of alone. It's sort of the eye of the storm in a, you know, a certain way. Mm. And it, it lets you reflect and sort of collect yourself. And I've heard other people say the same thing that, you know, that's, that's an important part of the, the night to, to see, see where you're at and go back in and hopefully have a lot more fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you mine, my answer, if you have time Please after do. yours. Absolutely. But... But what you just said was actually my second choice um, that I ended up not choosing. But I want to expand on it a little more because it's so true. Like Mm -hmm. the only time that I've gotten seriously drunk was at a college party, I think junior year. Mm -hmm. And I was having a ton of fun up until uh, the very end of the night when I just felt like I was seeing like uh, an old-fashioned slide reel flickering but mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a moment when i was alone in the bathroom after just having thrown up that i was staring at myself in the mirror and i was just feeling so much gratitude for my brother um mm. and kind of talking to him through looking at myself because mm. yeah we our relationship at some point turned into something very formal where it didn't really feel like we were interacting as uh the only other person you share uh this much like genetics with blood all that and it was pretty sad for me um but in that moment of being extremely drunk and happy i felt like i could contact him somehow oh wow and what I what I really appreciate about that is that sort of in this, you know, one, it's like very, very different moment, you know, emotions right next to each other. But it's also it's also interesting how a realization like that of like, wow, I really appreciate my sibling. I I I've been feeling this, I didn't know it. They can strike you at sort of random moments. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, alcohol or maybe different sort of substances can a lot of the time help you get to that that mental spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah even if it's totally out of nowhere and followed by uh, <laughs> a, a, a terrible hangover the next morning. Yeah. Um, and uh, before I tell my other answer, I want to go back to yours. So with the dermatology appointment, did you feel like your mom was speaking through you when you were looking in the mirror or you only realized that it was a parental voice much later? That's a great, a great question. Uh, so my my mom was very much not the as much as she was an incredible caretaker was so good at taking care of me when I was I was sick she's not at all sort of uh, an author- authoritarian 
or or you know even like at all strict in any mm. way sort of person so it didn't really feel like her kind of voice it, it felt definitely more male and i wouldn't necessarily associate it with my my father either um it uh was more more like uh just oh here we go so i actually um years and years before that actually at my my great step-grandfather's uh funeral i met this woman who had known known him and she was older maybe in her 60s uh very tall short um short gray hair and very athena vibes you know like from mythology and i remember her sort of regarding me with something that seemed like uh like hmm like distant respect and like a a calm kind of uh approval which i i really appreciated so if it was anyone's voice maybe it was sort of like hers uh mm-hmm. I, I said that it was masculine she, she definitely uh fills that role yeah if you're loving Cafe Ribbit, you can subscribe to the email newsletter at caferibbit.com and you'll receive an email every other Wednesday, one interview and one recipe per month. Let me know what you think of the podcast by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. If you don't have time today, I would really appreciate you taking two minutes or so tomorrow. Can you describe a strong memory of looking at yourself in the mirror? I was like, it was eight years old, something like that. And then I just remember feeling like really dissociated when I was looking in the mirror. Like this is not supposed to be what's on me right now. And I had like this very strong sensation of just like wanting to like like throw up or something like just like take it take something out and i Uh. i don't i i think i i've had this like weird thing with mirrors for like i think about them a lot and they just i just think think about what a lot mirrors and like what it would be like if we didn't have them around all the time and like because i even went through a phase where it would bother me just to even like look like when you're passing buildings and you see your reflection in the frame like I wouldn't want to look to my side like it just bothered me so much Mm. and it wasn't like a it was less of like an appearance thing I'm just like it just felt so like I every time I would look at it I I look at mirrors too long I just felt like this is not like it it, I wouldn't like be in my body anymore I would just like felt like I was clicking in and out um do you remember when you were eight if something happened right before that instance of you looking in the mirror i don't know like i don't i just remember that so clearly but i don't remember anything that happened before that that would have made that happen Mm -hmm. um there was definitely like a lot of stuff going on during that time so i think maybe that's why but it's funny because I, I, when I was in San Francisco, I was doing all these theater workshops and there was one we did with masks and the person who was teaching it told us, uh, so we would, they had all these masks that he'd made and he would, we would pick one and then um, 
we he would talk about like us transforming when you put the mask on but then someone would be in front of you and they would be like your mirror so you would start moving and then mm-hmm. they would just mimic everything you do and we would first do it with them as our mirror and then he wanted us to look at the actual mirror mm-hmm. and then it was like so but like i felt so much like when i had the person as my mirror i just felt so it felt like the most tranquil experience mm. and then like when we were at the mirror i just thought i just felt like it was like ruined because when they were just when we were just like mimicking each other's movements it was so like it was such like an empathetic experience and i was like i wish that was like, the experience of actually looking in the mirror <laughs> no it does just... i'm thinking because when you're looking in a mirror, let's say you were dancing in front of a mirror, maybe the dominant sense would still be sight. But when you're just looking at someone else, the dominant sense isn't really sight. It's more like you're focusing on uh, how your skin feels, how uh, heavy you are, um, maybe even smell too, if you're smelling the inside of a mask. It's like, the sight sense isn't as important like I felt so attentive to literally like everything in the room but then when I when we were doing the mirror it was just like gone completely mm-hmm. uh, yeah that too I like if that the weight thing like I felt everything's weight so heavily and like when they would do something it would just make me even though they were copying me it would make me feel more things in my own body more Mm -hmm. i don't know if this is if you're struggling to look at yourself in a mirror is a thing of acceptance so my question might not be uh correct in its phrasing but do you want to accept yourself more when you see yourself in the mirror yeah i do and i and I th- I think that was the confusing thing. I I'd, I'd be like, is it? Would it be more helpful if I just like made myself do it, or should I just like stop thinking about it? Yeah, for I guess about a month during COVID, I actually uh, hung a kitchen towel to cover mm-hmm. my bathroom mirror because I don't. I guess I was just sick of looking at myself. Um, and maybe when I saw something I didn't like, I wouldn't turn away like you. I think I would look even closer Mm -hmm. at the thing I didn't like. Yeah. 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 I, I would do that too, but I think, I think that's why I got to a place where I would just force myself, like, not do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) To be honest, I don't have like one super strong memory when I look at like a mirror because like I've always been pretty like, like I pay attention to my face uh, because I guess part of it because I'm creative, part of it because we're still like in this social media age. So a lot of people have like, I don't know, not really 
self-image issues, but people would want like to, I don't know, have their themselves present in a way. So I definitely am one of them. Um, I would say when I'm younger, I don't like, I probably are more like obsessed or <laughs> upset. Also, like, <laughs> obsessed or upset. <laughs> yeah. Or like, yeah. Of what should I look like or what can I look like? But definitely now, because you reminded me, I actually painted my face as like part of my um, graduation thesis project. Mm. I think now I'll probably, I would say I kind of use my face sometimes as like a, like a presentation tool almost. Mm -hmm. So back to like, when I look at the mirror, it like, it sounds superficial, but I'm just actually just looking at like, what my face is like, like how mm. my um, brows, eyes, or mouth are like placing at, and then mm. it's a very just kind of matter of fact physical analysis of your face. Yeah, almost like I'm like I'm a designer, but those things are like they're like on a canvas, but they're not like you cannot move them, mm -hmm. but when I explore like face painting or makeup, like you cannot move them, but you can like sort of change them, whether if it's like change the colors or like you can draw a line to like fool your eyes or people's eyes to think like whether your eyes or lips go goes higher or lower because like other shapes and stuff on your face can help with that. So yeah, so now I think I would say now I'm like not obsessing or like upsetting of like <laughs> how my face looks like, but uh, more of like um, playing with it. So when I was younger, you know, when you look at a mirror, um, like it's definitely a lot closer than like a social distance. So people will not look at your face for like in like that close but when you look at your face closer and if you're like kind of obsessed of with like how you look like or like questioning like are my like, pores too big yeah <laughs> yeah yeah those kind of things like it can get like a kind of like into a rabbit hole but you cannot really change them i mean you can do maybe surgeries and stuff but when you actually like looking at mirrors too close and too long, you're just like magnifying all the like the imperfections, I guess. Mm -hmm. And maybe I was thinking about your prompt, and um, I think maybe like for some time or for one time, I was almost imagining my face like like as a surface of like a planet because mm. we look in your eyes or pupils there are like patterns and like colors like your eyeball already looks like a planet but also like your face like even those pores or like your nose bridge your and also your head looks like a ball basically so <laughs> so, <laughs> so and yeah your mouth is a deep volcano erupting yeah, on mars exa exactly Mm-hmm.
I don't exactly remember when it was probably back in like middle school or like mid mid high school maybe but I think I did at one point just kind of like look in the mirror which I do every morning but never think much about it and then just like go on with my day Mm -hmm. but I think I did just look in the mirror and was like man I'm like so pretty (laughs) (laughs) and then I was like oh shit okay (laughs) oh shit okay what what was the realization oh that like I'm attracted to myself which is great (laughs) great feeling to have Uh (laughs) and how did it kind of shape your thinking going on from that point um i don't know i think maybe just like self-confidence would went up every now and then and then as like college progressed and like i started actually like having more of like a say in how I dressed myself and like held myself. I think mm-hmm. I just like got more self-confidence when I did see myself in the mirror afterwards. Yeah. Did you feel like uh, there were moments when you looked at yourself in the mirror and you didn't think you were attractive or was it pretty steady throughout high school and college? I think it was pretty steady aside from when I would like come back at like 2 a.m. after working all night uh-huh. and then <laughs> obviously was like very tired <laughs> and then I would like get up two hours later and be like wow these bags under my eyes are the worst <laughs> <laughs> so you know like fatigue was pretty bad yeah How do you think that um, your opinion that you're attractive uh, influences how you see other people? Because I think maybe some people who don't think they're attractive would compare themselves to others and say like, oh, they're so beautiful, oh, they're so hot, and I look like crap. Um, So I'm kind of curious about what the reverse is. Wait, sorry, can you repeat the first part of that question? Mm-hmm. So, because you think you're attractive, how do you perceive other people's attractiveness? Hmm. If you ever compare yourself to them. I don't know if I do that super often, but I do... Like, especially, like, with the mask wearing in the last last couple of years, like, people, like, we have these conversations where people are like, yeah, like, I, because I'm at work in person, so most people that I work with, I, like, haven't actually seen their full faces. (laughs) And so they're, Mm. they're always like, yeah, like, I feel like I, like, imagine what people look like. Um, And so it's always surprising to see what people look like. And I'm just like, and I'm thinking, I feel like I look a lot at people's eyes rather than the rest Mm. of them and like even before the pandemic like eye contact is like really important to me Mm -hmm. and I think everyone kind of has like beautiful eyes 
So yeah, one of the other interviewees for this prompt uh, was saying that when he's looking in a mirror, one of his favorite things to do is get up really close and see how your eyes look like little galaxies. Yeah. It's kind of an attribute that everybody shares. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much depth, and I mean, if you have brown eyes, there's not color in that sense. Well, but... no, I like to, I look at my own eyes, and they're like really, really dark brown. Like, I mean, to a lot of people, they look black. Oh. And I like, and I like looking at my eyes a lot. Can you see light reflecting in the little structures? Not so much, just like a tiny bit. I have really good vision, so I can kind of see, but it's very much like like looking into like a dark, like a black hole, and I I like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're mysterious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I've also heard that um, when your pupils are dilated, or when someone else's pupils are dilated, you tend to trust them more. So it's kind of like you have gigantic pupils and everybody trusts you. <laughs> I mean, everyone does, though. <laughs> like, that's not a lie. Everyone, everyone trusts the self-confident woman in the room. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that is true. That's what it should be. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, interviewees, for taking the time to talk with me. Uh, if you, listener, have an answer to this question, please email it to me, jack at caferibbit.com. And thank you to the musicians Jeff Sims and Michael Hudson Casanova for creating the frog sound effects in between interviews. If you enjoyed this interview, please share it with a friend. Cafe Ribbit is brought to you by a fake sponsor that's a real company. That's my company, John Lundquist LLC. I'm a freelance illustrator, and you can check out my portfolio at caferibbit.com slash freelance. Toodaloo!